0: Everyone, Welcome aboard to the Roald Doll Retrospective where we take a look at all the adaptations based off of Roll Doll shorts and books. I am Patricia.
1: And my name is Aaron.
0: So last time we talked about the 1996 live action film Matilda, the box office flop that turned into a major phenomenon. So today we're going to be talking about the overall mixed 2005 film Charlie and the Chocolate Factory which was based off of a 1964 novel of the same name.
1: Mm -hmm. And uh, just before we actually begin uh, to uh, anyone who thinks that uh, you know the audio quality on my side of things is not very good right now um, I've not got things set up on casual chats uh, for set up on my studio session at the minute so uh, right now I'm just using my phone so basically I'm just literally just calling in to uh, Patricia over in Alabama.
0: Yeah. So this movie is going to be pretty interesting because there are a lot of people who either love this film or hate this film. There is literally no Mm -hmm. in-between. I
1: think uh, one of the great things, though, about uh, this movie is that it's pretty much done by Tim Burton. It stars uh, Johnny Depp, and uh, it also uh, gives us uh, a very innocent uh, uh, play in Charlie Bucket as well which uh, I would just say that I guarantee you Roald Dahl if he was around today would take all these boxes that uh, we currently have right now and dare I say maybe he probably would have enjoyed uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory more than he would have enjoyed Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory with uh, Gene Wilder.
0: Oh yeah so uh, we will discuss about that and much more so let's get started here we go. mentioned in the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory episode of the Roald retrospective, it was considered to be a flop when it first came out in 1971. It only made 4.5 million dollars out of a three million dollar budget, and critics didn't really care for it at the time. They said that the music was instantly forgettable, but When the movie was released on VHS, and when there was released multiple times on TV airings, it became a major classic. Even still to this day, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is referenced in pretty much everything—commercials, musicals. When we went over to um, an arcade place, where they even have a Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory game, where you they push like a little uh, coin, so you can be able to like see if you can, you know, play some more arcade games and stuff like that. Funko figurines, toys, um, costumes, like during that time, it was considered to be a classic. But as mentioned before, Roald Dahl hated this adaptation, like downright despised it. So it's no surprise that around 1991 was the beginning of the long, tumultuous, attempt of trying to do a new adaptation of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that the Dahl family would be very happy with. And, oh man, I, I really highly recommend that you look up some of this, um, the stuff that, uh, you know, the people that were going to be involved in this movie. Like, everybody from, like, Gary Ross, Martin Scorsese, Tommy Shadiac would have been directors. You know, people such as Bill Murray, Nicolas Cage, Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler, Will Smith were called to be Willy Wonka. I mean, it is unbelievable of what we almost could have had.
1: Yeah, and you know, here's the thing about this, though, is that, uh, I mean, keep in mind, one one of the people that we mentioned in there was Will Smith. And uh, as we all know, he has a notorious reputation of turning down some big roles. Like, he had the opportunity to become Neo in The Matrix, and uh, he had the opportunity to basically do other big roles as well, which he turned down, and then they would later on become successes without him. So um, it makes me wonder, like, uh, would have, um, Willy Won- Will Smith as Willy Wonka have been the um, success that uh, Will Smith was looking for? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was a good thing that they decided to stay, stay away from Will Smith in this regard. And, uh, yeah. and whatever people say about being, being the genie in Aladdin, let me just tell you, it's, uh, critically, it's not as successful as the original Aladdin movie.
0: Yeah. Well, anyways, it all started with Tim Burton. So Tim Burton was pitching his idea of doing the adaptation of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to Lissy Doll and the Doll Family because he absolutely loved the book as a kid. He hated Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And they felt that he did a really good job in producing James and the Giant Peach, which we did talk about before. And so Tim Burton got his usual people, he got Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka, and he got many of the other people who were a lot, uh, who were featured in a lot of his movies around the late 90s and 2000s, like his wife at the time, Helena Bonham Carter was in it, Missy Pyle, who had previously was in Big Fish, Deep Roy, who was in the 2001 Planet of the Apes movies and Big Fish was in it. Um, same thing with, uh, Christopher Lee. He was also in another Tim Burton movie about the Headless Horseman. So there's that. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, once again, you know, very similar to pretty much a lot of his movies. So, uh, you know, he brought Danny Elfman to do the music. John August wrote the screenplay and he also did the screenplay for Big Fish as well. And, uh, this movie was supposed to be in line with the original book because, he absolutely loved the book, but he had also at the same time wanted to, p- to put in his creative liberties of his presentation and his art design. When the movie came yep. out in 2005, it was a massive hit. It made over $475 million. Now, I have the numbers right here for every single Roald Doll movie that has ever been released theatrically. I have 36 hours. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, The Witches, Four Rooms, James and the Giant Peach, and Matilda. Altogether, their box office numbers are a total of 86 and a half million dollars. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory has eaten that for lunch. And I mean, not even that, and as an appetizer. To this day, no other Roald Dahl adaptation has made this amount of money. Not even close.
1: Is
0: that even rounded up to inflation as well? Even with inflation, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory would still be the juggernaut out of everything else. Everything else is just minuscule compared to the amount of money that this movie has made. And this movie came out 15 years ago.
1: Wow. Uh, it just it goes back to the genius of Tim Burton, and uh, actually before we even get into Tim Burton, I would like to pr- propose a interesting debate. Um, what do you think, Patricia, of the whole kind of like the director ragtag, if you will? So you know Quentin Tarantino. He, you'll notice that in some of his movies, he'll have the same actors and actresses that uh, constantly appear in his. Uh, in his movies and then you kind of have the same thing with tim burton he always seems to be a go to guy with certain people that he wants to work with what do you think of that in regards to like uh, uh, a director putting on multiple productions with the same people involved
0: i mean it is true that sometimes it could be a little tiring and maybe some of the actors that would be cast in as the movie may not even fit the role we'll talk about that later but I mean, personally, if they are really good with the role, I mean, I don't mind it too much, just as much as, you know, depending on what the movie is and um, all that kind of stuff. Wes Anderson is a very similar case in which he casts the same actors in his movies. We'll talk about that next month with Fantastic Mr. Fox. But yeah, I mean, at some points I do get a little bit tired of it, but not, I mean, it's not like, a major buzz kill for me personally, because, you know, I really enjoy a lot of Tim Burton's movies. I mean, you know, I, you know, some of the movies that he's done are some of my favorites, like Nightmare Before Christmas, Ed Wood, Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, all, all, you know, pretty much all those movies I enjoy immensely. And yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, even with like, you know, using the same, you know, composer, Danny Elfman, you know, uh, you could definitely tell when a song is done by Danny Elfman, as mentioned with James and the Chai and Peach, you can definitely tell him what, you know, if a song is done by Randy Newman. So, sure, I mean, I can understand people's complaints, but personally, for me, unless it's justified, I don't really mind it.
1: Cool. I mean, also I don't mind it too. I just think that uh, sometimes when, you know, a recurring scheme is coming up like over and over and over and over again, obviously then it can be a little bit problematic. I like the idea that you have your go-to people, but then obviously you also reach out to the new as well and also reach out to other people uh, as well to like put, you know, put your production thing because let's face it, you can't uh probably keep putting the same lead in you know time and time again because obviously then they start to kind of like the, the role you know the, the 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 role starts to kind of morph into one another eventually and so until they kind of like lose their uniqueness so.
0: yeah that that's very true yeah Anyway, so yeah, I guess uh, with that out of the way, uh, let's get started. So I know a lot of people are going to be comparing this to the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie because it's a it's based off of a book and it's, you know, there was a previous adaptation that a lot of people hold very fondly of. Then, you know, when you're going to look into this movie, especially with Tim Burton, then yeah, I mean, people are going to be, you know, pointing out various things, but I just want to let you know That out of all the adaptations of Roald Dahl that we've seen, this is probably the most authentic to the book.
1: Well, if you remember, uh, Patricia, in The Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Charlie Bucket's dad was not around. So, I mean, obviously he's in this movie, he's casted, and he's obviously uh, also casted pretty much to the T, pretty much, in, in this movie. Like, he was... Uh, the worker in a toothpaste factory, until the toothpaste factory closed down, and then all of a sudden he had to uh, go to shovel, you know, snow in the streets and things like that. So, I mean, in regards to the the uh, the um, faithfulness to the original, you know, source material, I would say that Charlie in the chocolate factory does that, you know, probably you know a hundred times better more than Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory did. Wasn't as well? Like if you if you remember, I mean, like was as well? Like I don't know if I was paying that that much attention to. Um, the movie but wasn't there not that much uh, you know uh, corporate advertising in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory compared to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory which if you remember featured a machine trying to figure out what the uh, where the golden tickets were which was produced by Siemens and then if you remember there was also uh, on the electronics store there was actually some Philips record I think uh, uh, Philips hi-fi players I think also being advertised on uh, in one of the stores uh, when trijali uh, Buckets is running down the street. So, I mean, dare I say, I think the, the more modern version is somehow less corporate-y than the, um, than, than the 1970s Gene Wilder
0: version? Okay, well, I mean, admittedly, there aren't any, like, noticeable advertisements of companies that we personally know of, but it's updated and it's modernized. And I think that, you know, maybe because it was done by a huge studio, then maybe they didn't really need a lot of those like advertisements to be put all over the screen to say like, okay, we're gonna advertise your stuff as long as we get like a cut of the money. I mean, it was done by Warner Brothers. So, you know, with Warner Brothers, they had a huge budget to work with. And with Tim Burton, you know, he was able to stride in producing a movie that was just as faithful to the book as anything. So uh, you know it starts off very differently from Willy Wonka as you probably know. With Willy Wonka you see a real you know uh you know can- real chocolate being made into like chocolate bars and all that kind of stuff and in this movie, it's very, like, mechanical. Like, it's kind of, like, sterile and cold and the way that the, the, the chocolate is made and then, you know, the, the wrapping of the candy bars and then being put over into, like, boxes being shipped all over the world and we don't get to see who the drivers are. It's really mysterious and it kind of, like, puts an edge. It's like, oh, man, you know, what's gonna... I mean, we, you know, for us, we already know, you know, what's going on. You know, this is Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, the Oompa loompa. Are in the trucks and they're delivering all these chocolates from all over the world, so it's being done in secret. But you know, for maybe for people who weren't familiar with it, it's like you know, oh wow, what's going on here?
1: Yeah, and uh, it's just yeah, that's the one thing that kind of irks me a little bit because I mean, we only assume they're Umbelumba driving the trucks. I mean, like uh, we don't actually know uh, what's going on in there. Actually, on top of that as well, like, for all, you know, they could just be just normal delivery drivers. I mean, just being, well, uh, which
0: kind of, like, contradicts something that we're gonna be bringing up in just a moment, so. Well, they could be outsourced.
1: I mean, keep this in mind, like, they're actually, like, not work actually for the factory. They basically just could be just, you know, just random drivers who basically just, uh, you know, you, you get that kind of stuff, you know, going on within factories, you know, where they just hire drivers, just drive trucks, you know. I
0: personally don't agree, but I can see where you're coming from. Anyway, so we cut into the Bucket family, and, you know, the, the house looks so in line with something that you see in a Tim Burton movie. Really slanted, old, falling apart. I think it fits perfectly with um, the, si- the situation that, you know, we have with um, the Bucket family, in which they're really poor. Um, we have uh, the usual gang of people. We have, um, you know, Charlie's parents, where the dad is alive and he works in the toothpaste factory, just like in the book. And Mm -hmm. we have, uh, you know, Grandpa George, Grandma Georgina, Grandpa Joe, and Grandma Josephine in their beds while the mom is making the cabbage soup, which they can only eat and they can only afford. We have Charlie, like, building, like, some sort of huge collage of, you know, Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. And then his dad comes along and he starts making the little, um, he starts bringing in, like, the toothpaste Um, you know, tabs that uh, wasn't able to fit correctly. And And then we have like a narrator, which is kind of like similar to what we had with like the previous movies in which they have a narrator kind of like telling bits and pieces of the story. And uh, except, funny enough,
1: the uh, the narrator actually is uh, the guy who actually plays all the Oompa Loompas in the movie. So. That's right.
0: Yeah, it's Deep Roy, <laughs> which actually makes a lot more sense that one of the one of the Oompa Loompas is telling the story, as opposed to like Danny DeVito, who is not only playing as the narrator but also the father, which is kind of weird. Of seeing you know hearing Danny DeVito as like a really nice guy as a narrator and then being a mean father, which. I I mean, this right here with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory makes a lot more sense. It's like, oh, you know, obviously one of the Oompa Loompas would know the story of Charlie because of something that would happen later on. But anyway, so he's building up this big collage, you know, made out of like broken or misshapen toothpaste caps. And then Grandpa Joe tells him the story about Willy Wonka and about how he used to work in the factory and that. Corporate, you know, there was like a whole bunch of competitions involving with like, you know, they want to know about the secrets of Willy Wonka's candy and so, you know, some people who used to work at the factory actually snuck in and stole his secret ingredients and so various companies such as Slugworth were able to make similar candies to Willy Wonka. And that's when he decided to fire everybody from his chocolate factory and shut the place down for a long time until it opened up recently.
1: Yeah, it's just like, uh, in regards to that, I mean, on some of that as well, like, you know, the grandparents, haven't you noticed that in this version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, every uh, single grandparent seems to have more personality than the other ones did, you know? They, like, I mean, yeah, they have more,
0: per- I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just going to flat out and say this, but I mean, yes, we all, I mean, you know, Jack Albertson as Grandpa Joe was very lovable, and he was, you know, very supportive of Charlie, but all the other grandparents were Nothing. They were just there and didn't contribute anything in the plot. I really enjoyed the grandparents in this incarnation, especially Grandpa George, who is just a firecracker. He made me laugh every time that he said some sort of obscene word. Although that's, you know, admittedly, you know, Grandma Georgina with her um you know, you know, being like kind of seen all at times, it could be a little uncomfortable, but you know, she's I don't
1: know. I thought it was adorable. Like uh, it's just it's uh, you know, like she always tries to look on like on the brighter side of things and she isn't really too aware of, like, uh, the, the situation that she finds herself in, you know? Okay, like, that's... Uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, you know, I mean, that, that's usually, that's played for comedy, obviously, you know, when you see past that, like, uh, it's nice to uh, see that, uh, even in her, um, you know, inability to kind of recognize the scenario, she can still, like, uh, try and keep Charlie Bucket in, uh, in in high spirits, you know? So, like, that, uh, that, 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 that in itself is, an, is a nice trait. So, I mean, this is the thing, like, you know, uh, Grandpa, the only first, gra- the only grandparents in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory which really had any type of uh, um, development or any type of uh, contribution to the movie was Grandpa Joe uh, obviously because obviously he's the guy who goes in with his grandson to obviously go around the chocolate factory obviously he's the uh, the main thing but I'm really glad some thought and attention did go into um, the other grandparents to say, oh, hey, these, uh, three other g- grandparents are in this movie, so let's give them something to do. And that's what they did. And so, I'm really exactly. They
0: did and you know what? Thank you for that. Because, you know, I mean, if that were the case in which you weren't going to do anything with them, you might as well just remove them from the film and nothing would have changed because grandpa Joe is a major character in this movie along and the book alongside with Charlie. So, yeah, I'm really glad that they were able to put some personality into these characters. And- when you think
1: about it, like, you, you really do question, like, uh, the, 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 the way that they did Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. When you think about it, like, you know, you took out the dad who had, like, you know, a role to kind of play in the plight of, uh, of Charlie Bucket in the story. You took him out of the, the Gene Wilder movie, but you kept the grandparents and did nothing with them. Yeah, that's... You what you really think about it. You Your just have like, oh, hey, well, you know, here's Charlie's father who's not got any unemployed, and then take out the other three grandparents and just say Grandpa Joe's just kind of like the guy, you know?
0: Yeah, just, that, you that, know? I mean, you could have done that and nothing, literally nothing would have changed in the plot.
1: Exactly.
0: I mean, you could have kept the same thing in which Grandpa Joe was really sick and laying in bed and, you know, Charlie didn't have a dad and the mother is the only one caring for the family. And literally nothing would have changed. Anyway, but here in this movie, as well as in the book, it's justified on where their current condition is. Charlie's father is the only one who's providing work for the family. He was working at a toothpaste factory, of all things, while the mom is staying home and taking care of her parents and, you know, her husband's parents, as well as their own son. So that's a reason on, you know, why they're in the situation where they're at. So then we have the usual plot about like the competition is going on and everybody around the world is trying to search for the the candy, um, the, the five golden tickets and the chocolates and all that kind of stuff. And the good thing about this is, is that there is no filler that is pointless in this movie. There's no subplot about like, oh, the, you know, the president of the United States is looking for the candy or any stupid pointless scene with like the um, the therapist asking the his client about like oh you know you had this dream about the, the the candy tell me or the whole dumb hostage situation no immediately it goes over from it being announced to the crazy um you know crowds that is being gathered with everybody buying chocolate from all over the world and then the winners one by one are being announced. So we have obviously the the, the usual contenders. We have Augustus Klupe, Verucca Salt, Mike TV, Violet Beauregard, and then obviously, you know, the fifth person, which actually was done correctly about the woman from Russia. Although again, they mentioned it last as opposed to they mentioned it second in the movie and then it being an afterthought, but hey, it's a massive improvement of what we got before.
1: Um, So, I mean, in regards to all the characters' improvement, so um, to say, I'm really glad that uh, they decided to keep the White House out of uh, this movie because, you know, it's like, uh, you know, like uh, having Donald Trump in Homeland 2, isn't that bad enough? And uh, also just in regards to the the kids that did end up getting the tickets, uh, obviously um, they've been, obviously they've been modernized, and uh, I think they've probably been modernized in a good way. So instead of having uh, Mike TV obviously be uh, someone who's totally and utterly obsessed with TV, uh, obviously he's uh, like a, a video game fanatic. And yeah, like it it is his portrayal...
0: Exactly, yeah. His portrayal in the book, as well as in the 1971 film, was pretty dated by 2005. Like, no kid is going to be obsessed with watching cowboy movies or TV shows anymore. So, well, because
1: it made him like, you know, like, oh, I watch all like, all the violent action movies and stuff yeah, that, that, like that. Yeah, that makes like,
0: sense. That? Yeah, that makes sense, but not cowboy westerns, because it was pretty much out of style in 2005.
1: Yeah, just like, you know, Quinn Eastwood was a long time ago, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly, and uh, yeah, this would be this would be years before you know Red Dead Redemption and other you know westerns, would probably, you know got people like caring for westerns again in the mainstream.
1: Cool. Even then, like mind you, I'm pretty glad they didn't go with the cowboy thing. Couldn't you imagine them doing a tie-in with Red Dead Redemption if they if they did that? Like, oh my God. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, keep that away. You know? Yeah, I think, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people will probably not know even what Red Dead Redemption is. kind of like you know, it would stick out like a soft thumb. Kind of like when they were. Uh, when Stone Cold Steve Austin was playing Halo 2 in that uh, uh, movie starring Adam Sandler, what, what was it called? The Longest Yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, exactly. You
0: know? Anyway, but yeah, so they updated Mike TV for him from being like an obsessed, you know, kid who watched television all the time to him playing video games. And his parents are just as clueless as they've ever been, where they allow their kid, you know, they allow Mike to just play games and, you know, basically have the TV be its babysitter. And uh, the, the Veruca Salt was, you know, this pretty much the same thing as both the book and in the uh, the original movie in which, you know, Mr. Salt owns a peanut factory and, um, you know, there were he was like telling his workers, if you find the golden ticket, you know, I'll give you this or something. And wh- the thing that we didn't see is that like the coworker who found it was almost about to hide it until Mr. Salt came by and took the ticket from her and then gave it to Veruca. And then she's like, now I want a pony. Which, here's the thing, like, we loved, you know, Veruca in the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And, uh, you know, like, the original actress who played her did a phenomenal job. And here in this movie, Julia Winter as Veruca, she did a pretty decent job as well, you know, playing as the snooty, spoiled brat. And here's the thing about this,
1: I know I've been very, very brutally, uh, you know, critical of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory up until now, but... Dare I say, I probably prefer the older Veruca, the Veruca from the 1970s movie to this movie. I, I do I agree John as well. She, uh, yeah, the yeah. original
0: actress did a much better job. She, I mean, you so it's not just that. It's just like, did you feel there was more of a, even though we
1: knew that Veruca Salt is supposed to be this greedy, you know, you know, girl who wants everything in the world. Didn't you feel that there was more of a sense of fun with the uh, original Veruca Salt than you have with this one? This one just kind of like feels like a, a swarmy bad guy who you just can't root for at all in any particular way. And in a way, you can, it just kind of felt uncomfortable. I mean, obviously she was going to get a comeuppance, but at least, I just, I don't know why, I just feel like it works better in the old movie than it does in this movie. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, I guess in a way, I guess you're kind of just expecting it. I think because she looks so antagonistic as, a, as a somebody who, um, lo- you know, keep in mind, she has a pretty uh, frosty relationship with um, Willy Wonka in this movie. And uh, But, I mean, I would say that's probably more of a connection between Willy Wonka and Veruca Salt in the original movie. And so I think, in a way, it kind of makes you feel like there's more of an expectation that there's going to be, like, a, an ultimate comeuppance for Veruca Salt in this way. And so I guess it kind of makes her performance in this. Uh, just, and there's nothing against the, uh, the, the, the child who played her. I mean, obviously, she did the best she could. And she did a really good job. In that regard, I just think of the way that she was written and the way that she was portrayed uh, by uh, by the writer, I think by the direction, I just feel like uh, it was um, not as enjoyable as the old one, unfortunately.
0: Fair enough. I mean, I think that her and Augustus Gloop, you know, they are like really close to their book counterparts, which they needed tweaking to make them more modernized, which I think works really well with Mike TV and Violet Beauregard, which she got a massive upgrade. Like, in the original book and in the 1971 film, the only thing that we knew about her was that she was a gum enthusiast and that she chewed the same gum over and over and over again, which she does in this movie, but also she's an overachiever. She has so much trophies and awards, and she's a martial artist, and her mom is one of those pushy moms who wants her daughter to strive to be the best that she could be. Like you, you It's kind of like one of those you know, like toddlers in tiaras or you know, one of those like, dance moms. That's that what works. I
1: was going to get to, actually. I mean, this movie came out at the same time that we got Here Comes Sunny Boo Boo.
0: I think, uh, I think maybe before then.
1: Yeah, because, well, cause like, I mean, in this movie, like, uh, the, the way that they put Violet together is just like, uh, well, I guess they can say that they probably looked at the original character like just saying, oh, she's just somebody who just choose going I just think, I think I agree in a way um, when you're going to put that as a, um, as a, when you, when you put that together in a, um, I'm trying to find the best word for it, um, when you put that together in on a in, in a in a in a view, well, like on a, on a screen, when you put it in, in a viewing format, or in a book format, it sounds very interesting the way that uh, Violet is portrayed. But in, as a viewing spe- spectacle you kind of look at it and think ah, there could just be more to it and uh, so what, what was the best way they did it I think they probably did it in the best way that they could which was making her this ultra competitive uh, you know wanting to become you know first in absolutely everything and uh, you know just uh putting her in, in that putting her character together in that sense which I think is really good because like it's uh it, you know you look at uh, Charlie Bucket he's like he's very humble he just accepts uh the way, things, the way things have gone, and he, you know, he's basically just uh, going off on luck, while you've got someone like Violet, who is uh, working at like well like 120%, and is being driven, and is a completely different personality to Charlie, so you can definitely, it's a, it's a good storytelling element that they put in here, between, uh, you know, characters who just look so different from one another, and can clash with one another, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, what are your thoughts on Charlie Bucket in this version? Because, you know, we have Freddie Highmore as Charlie Bucket, and I just want to say, thank you, God, that we are (laughs) talking about a main child actor who did not quit the acting industry after they were done with the movie that they were well known for. He was already a well-known actor for years, and he's still acting. Like, yes, finally, the chain is broken. (laughs)
1: Doing was because, like, uh, the other, you know, like, this Charlie Bucket. Um, I would say he is memorable, and uh, you know, he's, uh, he has a very, you know, very uh, close relationship with Grandpa Joe in this, which I think is uh, is very good in, in, in that sense. And uh, I, mean, I mean, compared to the original movie, I would say that. Uh, he does fit the bill, I think, uh, a lot further, a lot further along than, I'd say, our um, our other uh, Willy Wonka in that regard. I mean, I, I mean, give props to the, uh, the character in the original movie, like, uh, he does uh, portray uh, Charlie's, like, innocence, and does portray his, uh, uh, cha- you know, childlike qualities in a, in a very good light, but, I have to agree, I think the Tim Burton version, I think, of how, uh, you know, um, innocent he makes him, and, uh, the interaction that he has with everyone on the screen, I think, is a is a lot more. I think is a lot more believable than I think than the kind of like you know the uh, more fanciful uh, you know version that we got in the uh, in the Gene Wilder version.
0: Hmm. I'm pretty mixed with this personally. I mean, Peter Ostrom as um, Charlie in the original was done really well because he acted like a real kid. And pretty high more as Charlie. You know, he does he does act like a real kid as well, but there are some times in which I feel he was like a little too perfect. Uh, I feel like he's a bit more of an adult in this version than the other than, than the other one. You know, it, like, it is uh, just, true. He yeah. does he does seem like he has to be an adult with responsibilities. It's like he understands the sacrifices that his parents have to make in order for him to survive. Like, you know, he shares his candy in his birthday because you know, they don't, you know, he gets this candy once a year. So he's like, I, you know, I have to share this with everyone. I mean, the fact that he's from a poor family, you know, he has to, I'm sure that he is, you know, understanding that his family is trying their very best to support him. And he's just like, you know, not being selfish. He's not... Um, demanding that he wants things and stuff like that. So I can understand that he's a lot more mature as opposed to like somebody like Violet, um, like uh, Veruca Salt, who was raised rich and she, no, you know, she, when she demands and when she yells, she gets anything she wants. So again, you know, a great contrast with Violet Beauregard and Charlie Bucket, as mentioned earlier, there's also a good contrast with Veruca Salt and Charlie Bucket in that sense when it comes to class. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I guess you can, uh, here's the thing about this though, so I think Veruca Salt,
1: I think uh, various other kids in there, uh, I think they are very well explained in, uh, their, in how, in the why they are who they are, because obviously they're influenced by their parents in this. And uh, I don't know, like, uh, I get a feeling that that wasn't all that well explained, I think, in the, in, in the Gene Wilder version. I think, uh, I think the parents were kind of just there really, like you know, with the exception of uh, Mr. Salt, who you can obviously tell uh, was uh, has an influential, uh, uh, actually, I actually tell you what, I think about Mr. Ver- Mr. Salt in uh, the original movie, it was like he was kind of being more kicked around by, by his daughter rather than actually kind of like, you know, influencing uh, his daughter. So maybe I would say um, that uh, in regards to, I think there's a focus, I think, on the direction of the characters with these kids was more the fact that uh, they are created the way that their parents uh, were rather than having uh, Willy Willie, Willie Wonka in the chocolate factory. You can kind of have like, the kids kind of like running the show, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. I can see that. Anyway, so continuing on with the story. So, you know, we have, uh, uh, you know, Charlie's father getting fired and now they're struggling even more than ever to, you know, provide for the family. They, you know, as mentioned in the book, you know, half of their rations are being cut and, um, you know, like, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, they get less food. And although, you know, in the book, it was described that Charlie got so skinny that he looked like a skeleton, which doesn't happen. But, you know, the same beats apply with... Well,
1: uh, you couldn't couldn't really do that, could you? I mean, like... Yeah, that's true. uh, Child uh, child labor laws, yeah, I know. I I, I mean, well,
0: not not that. It's
1: just, it's. I mean, they could have CGI'd it in. I think they probably could have done that. But, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past Tim Burton to put that as a suggestion. But, uh, you know, like, um, I think somewhere down the line, you kind of have to pull back from, like, the uh, the absurdness and kind of, like, say, well, look, uh, um, you need to have, um, in that, like, uh, even if they did do it, I mean, like, how, how much budget would they have had to even put down a, a designer to say, okay, well, we want to put uh, Charlie, we want to put the kid who's playing Charlie Bucket in, like, a, a green suit and, like, uh, then put, like, a body, like, uh, of a really thin child like over him, and we want to do that for like, you know, the majority of the movie. Like, uh, it's just, it's, uh, you can probably imagine how much that would have probably cost her to do. So I think the idea of just having it like, oh, well, Charlie Buck is just going to look like a normal kid, I think, and that would make him far more relatable and obviously not, uh, you know, break the bank. I think uh, it makes more sense to have him in proper proportions rather than have him as like, you know, some kind of like CGI skeleton, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Anyway, but, uh, you know, we have the same beat in which when, you know, the the names of the winners are being done one by one and Grandpa Joe has more confidence that, hey, you know, maybe the chocolate that Charlie has for his birthday has the golden ticket in it, but it doesn't. And so then, you know, Grandpa Joe gives Charlie um, some money so that he can buy another chocolate bar so that he can be able to see if that has the golden ticket in it, but it doesn't. And then, then we have the scene where, you know, it's snowing and it takes place around wintertime and, you know, I'm Charlie I'm right to find- pull
1: back, but uh, um, in that scene when uh, Grandpa Joe gives him, gives him the money, in the original one, it was for his tobacco. I mean, is that, I'm trying to remember, is that still the same reason why he had that money or is he just- No, he just, just gave kind of
0: it, no, it no, not at all. I mean, the whole tobacco thing wasn't even in the book in the first place. Um, yeah. He just had the money because, you know, he sees that Charlie really wants to get- the, um, you know, the, to see if he can find the golden ticket. And so he just so happens to have a silver dollar with him in case of an emergency. Uh, and so he gives it to him and says like, you know, go buy a, uh, you know, a chocolate bar. And then when he's, when he receives it, which when we were watching the movie together, when it cuts immediately over to, you know, Charlie waking up grandpa Joe, we're like, man, that, I mean, if it was airing on TV, that could have been a good commercial break anyway. But then when he wakes up and then they open up the chocolate together and sadly there was no golden ticket in it and then we cut into the scene in which when Charlie finds the money in the snow and then he goes over and he buys the chocolate bar and then, then, that's when he gets the golden ticket, and everybody's like bothering him, saying, "I'll give you this amount of money for it. I'll give you this amount of money for it." And then the can, and then the the candy man says, "You know, hey, leave the boy alone. Let him, you know, let him keep his golden ticket." And then he tells him to run home. And then when he finally gets home and he shows the golden ticket, Grandpa Joe immediately gets out of bed and starts dancing around, which is very similar to what happened in the book for those who are dis- well i mean
1: oh sorry even in the book i thought you what about to say in the, in the original movie but yeah uh, yeah in the in the original movie talking about he actually made a song and dance number out of him finally getting out of bed but uh, no not in uh, not in this one yeah he just uh he just jumps straight out and uh just uh gets it over and done with really no, no song number no nothing like that just you know it's uh, it's all said and done
0: Yeah, although I do prefer, um, you know, the scene in the original when he's struggling to get out of bed because he's been laying in a bed for 20 years. You're telling me that he would just immediately get up right away? I think I remember seeing a Well,
1: if you remember, here's the thing, like, if you remember- he said that um, he had money for when he wanted to go out and get his tobacco. So at some point, he must have left his bed. It was kind of a continuity error in the original one. That's true. So, yeah. so I think in this one, it, yeah, it, makes, uh, it makes far more... Yeah, in, in, this, in, in, the, in the first movie, it doesn't make all that much sense. Like he just suddenly just jumps out of bed and starts dancing around and stuff like that. But uh, in the second movie, when he's slowly starting to kind of build up... And uh, you know, it looks like he's uh, had some kind of movement previously. I mean, like uh, it's a bit more. I don't know. Like the original movie seems a bit more believable in that number, but uh, this one, it's kind of like, oh yeah, like uh, you know, he must have moved around at some point. But you know, it's just me. Mhm.
0: So. Yeah. So uh, when wh- I mean, I think I remember on the roll Dahl- doll uh facebook or twitter or something they were saying about like you know what is who is grandpa joe a supportive grandparent or a lazy good for nothing grandparent who just lays in bed all day and a majority of the votes said lazy for good for nothing grandparent who just lays in bed all day because i well, think there really were some old, couldn't you yeah that's true Anyway, so it's decided that you know Grandpa Joe was going to go along with Charlie to the chocolate factory because you know you ha- you have to take one guardian with you, and so we have. I can't remember, what was the reason why the dad couldn't go? Um, I think the yeah, reason the why work. is because it, I think Grandpa Joe offered. He's like, "Let me go to the chocolate factory because I have experiences with, you know, Willy Wonka, and, and I wanted to see the factory one last because,
1: time." Oh, oh, hang on a second. Actually, I remember now. In the book, it's because he obviously has to work and he has to go out shovel snow and stuff like that. So that's the reason why he couldn't take him on that particular time. I mean, like, but in this in this movie, he's unemployed still. So unless he's unless he's finding time to do our jobs, I don't know. But uh, I mean, like, I'm just really surprised that the dad didn't offer to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's true. You know, the dad was off shoveling snow and the mom had to stay home to take care of the rest of the grandparents. So yeah, I can understand that.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, Yeah,
0: so yeah. one of the interesting things that I noticed when watching this movie is that the, um, the parents who went with the other children were swapped. Now, Augustus went with his mom, just like in the original 1971 film. But when it came to the parents of uh, Mike TV, was swapped. In the original 1971 movie, Mike's mother went with him. But in this version, as well as in the book, his father went with him. And I think that, um, if I remember, Mr. Beauregard was the one who went with Violet in the original uh, 1971 movie. While well, in this one, as well as in the book, the mother went along. So they swapped parents.
1: Yeah. To be honest with you, I mean, like, is anyone complaining? Like... Uh, Not really, uh, no. They think, that they think they all fit to the T and also when... Uh, it came to uh all the problems that they all ran into into the factory they all uh naturally uh you know did what they needed to do so i mean it's just uh yeah i mean so uh, and to be honest with you though i mean it's uh, I mean, it wouldn't really have matter what parent they would have brought in i think in regard i mean with the exception of mr salt i mean obviously he had to bring in mr salt into the factory because mostly that's uh you know he's uh, that's basically how how it, how, it, how it always, always plays out but, uh, I mean, like, I think the other, the other parents, I think, in this movie could have been interchangeable.
0: Yeah, that's I true. Thought. I mean, they, they left pretty much no impact on the original anyway. With the exception of, obviously, Grandpa Joe and Mr. Salt. So, nothing, nothing worth, it was no, not much of a big loss. So, yeah. So, finally, they get, you know, the you know, news press is surrounding everybody. And, you know, they're wondering about, like, oh, you know, Mr. Wonka is going to be coming out to the factory for the first time in a very long time. And... You know, instead of in the original movie, in which, you know, we have, you know, Willy Wonka, like, limping towards everybody and then surprising them. Instead, we have, like, this animatronic, you know, singing, you know, uh, jingle where, uh, you know, you have the Willy Wonka song and everybody's, like, looking at it confusingly. It's, it looks like it's ripped off straight out of Disney World.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird, though, because it's like, you know, if you remember, like, there was a big, massive crowd outside of the gate, and then, if you keep in mind, they're still, like, within, you know, eye shot, I would have thought, of uh, um, the crowd outside. So, you know, when they get to the point where the whole, like, uh, you know, Disney world thing kind of burns down and starts, you know, smashing up and everything like that. And uh, all that kind of stuff. And then the throne comes out and he's not there. And then all of a sudden you just see, you know, like a, like a click, he just kind of turns up next to them. Like, I'm really surprised, like, nobody would have, like, reacted to the fact that he was, like, you know, walking up to them and standing right next to them. I would have thought, unless they were just as shocked as everybody else was. I have no idea. I don't know either. So, uh, but
0: yeah. then we get into Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka. And oh my gosh, where do we begin?
1: Okay, well, can we dismiss something right out of the bat? Please. Um, I do not believe his performance is based on Michael Jackson. It's not. I'm sorry. It's yeah, not. Let's kill that right off the bat because I know we're going to get comments about that. Oh, yes.
0: Let's mention that pretty much most of the critics who saw this movie when it first came out was all about comparing You know, Johnny Depp's performance as Willy uh, with Willy Wonka as Michael Jackson was hugely stated, even though it's not. And we already know why, because as you know, during the, you know, early to mid-2000s was when the, you know, Michael Jackson allegations started happening. I'm sure you remember about like, oh, you know, he dangled his baby on the balcony and stuff like that. And then there was, um, you know, that Michael
1: Jackson. Oh, really? I thought it was, I mean, when, when about did he pass away?
0: He passed uh, away in 2009.
1: So, and this movie was in 2005, I would say it was? Right, yes. oh wow, so it was, it was like three years after before he passed away. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, it was in the height of all of that, wasn't it? So, yes, well, it was. Oh, yeah. wow.
0: Yeah, so you remember, like, you know, the, the whole, you know, allegation about, like, oh man, you know, like... Uh, you know, he he's dangling his son off the balcony. Oh, you know, he's covering his kids with masks. You know, what's wrong with him? And he doesn't do
1: that in the movie. Like, you know, it's, uh, I I thing as well, like uh, as far as I'm aware in the original book, Billy Wonka didn't have, Billy Wonka's dad was not a thing. No, it's not.
0: In fact, this is one of the very, very, very few changes that was put in to um, this movie about like Willy Wonka and his relationship with his father, which come on, this is Tim Burton. Don't be surprised that he put this into the movie because he's done this. I, I mean, this has pretty much been well documented that Tim Burton didn't have a really good relationship with his father, that he thought of him as like really weird, and they didn't get along with anything. I mean, this is apparent if you see Big Fish, which came out a few years before, that, you know, it's the story about a man who has a really strained relationship with his father. And the same thing happened with, um, you know, a a few of his other movies as well. So the fact that, you know, there was an additional scene with Willy Wonka's backstory and he has uh, a strained relationship with his father, who is a dentist, and Willy Wonka loves chocolate more than anything. I mean, it's Tim Burton. I'm not too surprised that this is there.
1: Yeah, you know, I just, like, it's like, I kind of look at things, did, did Christopher Lee need a payday? Like, you know, uh, did, uh, was, was Star Wars not paying him enough? I don't, mean, I don't, like, I you know, don't it's know. Just, you know. Like, it was just, it was, uh, it was just really, like, you know, when someone who's a, who is a fan of the book and someone who is, a, a, you know, uh, somewhat uh, an admirer of the original movie, like, it's just, it's, uh, I just felt like this was a bit unnecessary, really. Like, we couldn't develop, like, any other aspects of the, uh, of the story. Than having to say, oh, hey, Willy Wonka had a really strange relationship with his dad. You know, it could have, it could have saved all that Michael Jackson BS, you know, if they would he not bothered to put that in. I mean, like, uh, I'm not saying that Christopher Lee didn't put on a good performance in that. I mean, like, obviously, he, uh, as the cold, cruel father of uh, Willy Wonka, I think uh, that obviously was um, a big thing. But, uh, I mean, to write Willy Wonka's origin story... I mean, like, uh, it's a, a pretty ballsy thing to do, I think, uh, for someone who is uh, trying to stay close to, like, uh, the original source material as humanly possible, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty unnecessary, in my opinion, like, it didn't, it, it literally did not need to be there, so, yeah, I, I don't really have too much to say about that, so let's just move on, so... You know, Willy Wonka brings everybody into his factory and the kids are asking him questions and he clearly does not care about what the kids have to say. And he's just acting way too hard to be cool. I mean, this is like, you know, one of those, like, how do you do fellow kids moments in which he just tries his very best to be as cool to these kids as possible and it just falls flat on its face. Yeah. I mean, like, uh,
1: it's, uh, you can definitely tell he's a, been a massive recluse for a good long while like he just he just seems to have this massive massive struggle with human interactivity uh, in in this and uh, which is a bit of a shame really because in a way it makes Gene Wilder's performance look a lot a little bit better than this because like uh, you know which which Willy Wonka would you rather hang out with the Johnny Depp version or the Gene Wilder version
0: obviously the Gene Wilder (laughs) version
1: yeah, exactly. Like uh, and uh, you know, apparently the Willy Wonka movie is apparently the one that uh, many hardcore Waldorf fans and Waldorf himself actually disliked. But I mean I would really wanna take back, um I mean I was not aware. The ri- original Willy Wonka in the book even wasn't this hateful towards people and, and this not much of a of, of a of a soci well, not a sociopath, but not much of a you know, uh, someone who's, you know, abstracted from reality as this Willy Wonka is portrayed in in, in this. So, yeah, it just, it's uh It's really just unnerving, and uh, it makes you wonder, like, uh, I mean, obviously, Charlie Bucket is the main protagonist in all of this, but uh, it makes you wonder, like, uh, was, uh, you know, Willy Wonka going to go for some kind of, like, really awkward turn, and all of a sudden, like, you know, Charlie Bucket was going to have to fight, like, a massive, you know, chocolate monster or something like that against Willy Wonka and win the factory over some bullshit like that. Yeah,
0: I think the reason why they decided to change the direction here for Willy Wonka is because Tim Burton didn't like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and let's admit it, Gene Wilder was, hands down, the best. actor in that movie, and he was the best character in that movie. So much so that it actually is a huge detriment for everybody else because Gene Wilder steals the show in every single regard. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, people such as, um, you know, Peter Ostrom and Jack Albertson and the rest of the people did a really good job as well, but they cannot hold a candle to the performance that Gene Wilder put into that movie. I mean, he put his entirety into that movie and so much so that you know the other characters suffered so maybe they were Mm. thinking oh you know we need to dedicate to the other characters because it's called charlie and the chocolate factory it's not called willy wonka and the chocolate factory and we already know why there was a name change we discussed about this last time that you know there was some controversies involving with the term charlie but not anymore it's not the 1960s anymore and so you know, we need to focus on Charlie, not Willy Wonka. Yeah, uh, the thing
1: is, is that though is uh, um, it was one of the things I wanted to kind of like bring in with this whole. Uh, you know, with the the whole Willy Wonka thing, is that, uh, I mean, if you look at Gene Wilder, like, when he's usually interacting with uh, the parents when they're asking, like, all sorts of, like, legitimate questions, like, he'll come back with, like, saying, like, uh, oh, a bit of nonsense now and then will be cherished by the Wildest Man, or, you know, uh, any questions, please, will be after the tour or will be put into writing, you know, like, some of those, you know, quirky comebacks, you know, that he would would come up with in uh, in this, and uh, Johnny Depp just, you know, uh, Hey, I was expecting to have like a, you know some kind of like you know snarky comeback to something like that, but he didn't. He just kind of looked like this, this awkward guy that uh, you know he just felt like very you uh, didn't really enjoy being in front of. And like he's supposed to be like
0: you know one of the main characters of the sh- of the movie, you know. It's just this. Uh, what are you guys doing? Johnny Depp just looks incredibly lost in the role. Like you know he's trying to struggle to find an identity with Willy Wonka and. Here, it just doesn't really work. There's a reason why Gene Wilder has been the definitive Willy Wonka for pop culture in the past 50 years, because people remember him so fondly.
1: It's because he's lovable. Like, uh, you know, this, this uh, Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka,
0: is a lovable
1: guy. Like, uh, he's a guy you want to spend time with. He's interesting. Like, uh, he also uh, looks like he's uh, some kind of, you know, uh, uh, genius as well because he's obviously spoken with his umpa-lumpas. And things like that. Actually, that's another thing as well. Like, you know, why is Willy Wonka in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory such a, a problem to interact with when he's had all these umpa that he could have interacted with in the factory. I mean, do they not share the same kind of like, uh, um, you know, human interaction or anything like that? I mean, they look kind of human. I and mean, when you look at these umpa I mean, exactly like there is no
0: excuse because if you remember from the umpa in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, they weren't really human like at all. They looked like the munchkins from The Wizard of Oz, but no, I mean, in this movie, they look. Human like, you know, very small human like, but human like nonetheless. And, you know, we'll get to the Oompa Loompas in just a moment. But yeah, like very similar you know, it's kind of like the complete opposite in which, like, Willy Wonka in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was the best in the movie. But sadly, you know, Willy Wonka and Charlie in the Chocolate Factory was the worst in the movie. I'm sorry. I know anyway so they walk around and they see the factory and it looks pretty normal like a typical factory and then we have like you know charlie interacting with the kids it's like oh man the kids are interacting with each other which had never happened in the original and you know we have like you know Charl, you know uh, Augustus offering Char- Charlie a chocolate bar, and he's like, hey, do you want a chocolate bar? And he's like, oh yeah, that'd be great. And he's like, go get your own. And he's like eating it. And then we have Violet and you know Veruca saying like, oh, let's be friends, best friends. And then they they like cross each other's fingers in the back. It's like, yeah, they're actually talking with each other because I mean, if you want a contest, there's going to be a chance that you're going to be interacting with the contest winners. I mean, it makes sense that Mike TV is not speaking to anybody because you know he's a social. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Socially social, awkward kid, you know, who social just,
1: outcast, Yeah, pretty much. but yeah. uh, I mean, th- there's one thing that I, I hate the interaction that Augustus Gloop had with Charlie. Like, you know, it'd be like, uh, I mean, wouldn't you think that uh, he would be kind of like. I think the better way I would have played it with Augustus Gloop and uh, Charlie Bucket is that, you know, uh, Augustus Gloop only I mean, has ever known anything about, like, eating, you know, umpteen amounts of things. So he probably would be, like, besides talking about it with Charlie and not actually realizing that Charlie's actually really poor and can't afford anything except cabbage soup. So like you know I would have like that disconnect as a conversation between the two, but yeah, you know, but I here's guess, the thing I mean
0: I a- as, as mentioned before with like all of these roll doll adaptations, roll doll seems to b- depict fat people into two different categories. They're either the Augustus Gloop clone or the bully or antagonist. That's pretty much it. At this point in time the fat kid cliche was already done to death and we already had better depictions of overweight people as mentioned before with like Harold Berman from Hey Arnold and Mikey from Recess. Like because that Tim Burton was sticking very close to the book this trope was still presented as the typical trope in the book. And from you know from the book to the movie and they did pretty much little to no changes other than he's just a fat kid who just loves eating food and that's pretty much it
1: yeah and uh it just it's uh, i don't know i just think if uh, they really wanted to go for like more you know interesting obviously you know interesting characters in that regard i would not have gone that route but uh his to his own i guess
0: yeah, sure. Anyway, so now we finally get introduced to the chocolate room, which, you know, very similar to the original was like the highlight for a lot of people. It's like, oh, man, everything is made out of like, um, you know, ch- candies and chocolates and sweets and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, now here's the thing, as we mentioned before in the original movie, that it was an actual room that was filled with an actual chocolate river and the stuff that they ate from it was mostly real, But in this one, obviously, it was a CGI river, and they tweaked it to make it look more chocolate-like, and the stuff that they were able to eat, you know, for the most part, was pretty real, but it was mostly done in a set that was, like, filled with pretty much nothing. But let's be honest, it looks way better than the original. Like, the chocolate looks like legit chocolate, and the food looks like you could actually eat it. Like, it looks amazing.
1: Yeah, but I guess this goes back to the um, to the age-old argument we have with all of these films. Like, uh, I mean, what looks better, practical effects or CGI effects? And uh, what do you think looks more believable?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like, let's be honest. I mean, that Chocolate River does not hold up whatsoever. I mean, even Gene Siskel pointed it out in his original review that it looked more like the Chicago River. And yeah, it just looks, (laughs) yeah. I mean, for those who don't know, you know, the Chicago River, once upon a time, was heavily polluted. So, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, but I'm yeah. British,
1: and even I know that.
0: <laughs> exactly. So yeah, the effect. Let's be honest. I mean, when it comes to like the effects in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, pretty much everyone have said that that's probably one of the major weak links of the film. That it just doesn't hold up. It hasn't aged very well. And, and, you know, the fact that it was, like, in a really low budget is, like, they only could do what they could with the limited amount of resources. But here, with $150 million and with Tim Burton and, you know, with the technology that we have, you know, back in 2005, it's, like, they were able to do things that, you know, the original movie couldn't even dream of doing. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, like, the argument about practical effects versus CGI, I mean, I'm one of those people who sees um, a benefit in both Like, I've seen movies that were done both practically and with CGI and have done really well. It looks really, really good. I mean, Jurassic Park is, you know, one of those prime examples about, like, they were able to use a combination of animatronics and CGI, and it looks amazing, even still to this day. I know that people are, like, complaining about, like, oh, there's too much CGI this and too much CGI that. It's like, yeah, I understand, you know, CGI is able to cut back on, you know, producing things that take a lot of time. I understand that. but you know, I I think that CGI, if done sparingly, can look really really good, and it can be very beneficial for either a movie or a TV show or whatever. So yeah, I'm not one of those CGI haters. I'm not far from it, but I do love practical effects. I mean, I do enjoy puppetry. I do enjoy stop motion. I enjoy. You know, pre, you know, like animatronics, you know, I, I enjoy all those things too. But um, but I think that the stuff that they did here in this movie, especially with the chocolate room and all the other stuff that they have, I think it was done really, really well. Yeah, We so it plays off beat for beat like in the original in which like all the kids are like, you know, going around and eating all the chocolates and the candies and Mike TV is destroying everything because, you know, he says, oh, I get, you know, he said, you know, have at it, have fun. And so he just destroys things like a crazy maniac. And... Um, we have Augustus Gloop, you know, dipping into the chocolate river like he did in the original and then he gets himself, you know, stuck into, you know, the chute where, you know, the chocolate was being transferred over to the fudge room. And so this is where we get introduced to the Oompa Loompas played by Deep Roy. and. The the Oompa Loompas are singing songs that are directly from the book written by Roald Dahl himself. And one of the things that I did enjoy about the music in this movie was that they were able to play off different genres of music, you know, from the 60s to the 70s to the 80s. I, I thought that that was done pretty well and it gives it a unique flavor to, you know, the classic Oompa Loompa song, which they sing a total of five different times. Yeah. On top
1: of that, as well, like the the music is so creative in this because at one point it's fifties, the next thing it's sixties, and then it goes all the way up into basically you know the eighties, and like it's just it's uh, it takes advantage of like the the full genres of music that uh, have existed in uh, pretty much in the last. Uh, couple in the last couple of decades and uh, i just feel like uh, you you feel far more you get far more variation in this movie than you did in uh, in the other movie and like i thought as well like you know willie Wonka and the chocolate factory had a, had a lot of throwaway music numbers if you really think about it like the, the one thing don't cry charlie as he's walking home like you know she's just like you know uh, Singing like as he's walking down the street, like uh, I don't think he's, you know, he could hear most of it. I think by the time he got home,
0: but uh, yeah, and uh, and, and, and this is uh, not just yeah. us talking. Even the director himself thinks that that song is completely pointless.
1: Well, you know, all the songs in this movie, because they're from the book and because uh, they've had uh, a good creative twist on them and uh, they've basically been brought into, uh, you know, uh, into, into, a, into a better orchestral light,
0: uh, you can obviously appreciate them a lot more than you can do in the original movie. Which is kind of sad because when this movie came out... You know, critics praise the music, but nowadays it's pretty much forgotten. It's a huge reversal from what happened in the original movie in which the critics, you know, called the music instantly forgettable, and then it was nominated for an Oscar for Best Soundtrack, and now pretty much everybody knows the music. The Candyman, um, you know, I Got a Golden Ticket, Pure Imagination, I Want It Now. Everybody knows these songs, but nobody knows the songs from the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You know why that is? Is because these, these song numbers have been uh,
1: been going on for decades. I mean, like, uh, how old is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Or 15 years old at this oh, point? Yeah, just like, about. Yeah, I mean, like, Willie Wonka and the Chocolate Factory has been around for decades. I think, you know, we won't be remembering uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory songs until they start, you know, uh, becoming into, you know, it's not becoming more into our, uh, you know, here's the thing about this, repetition is key. You know, like, uh, you know, the more you get, you repeat something, the more people are going to remember it, you know? Like, oh, that's uh, that, true. That, like, I uh, mean,
0: you know, even, you know, it still has television airing to this day. I mean, Aaron and I, we watched mm-hmm. this movie last Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, this, uh, so Willie Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, of course the songs are going to keep getting remembered time and time and time again, because uh, they've grown up with our grandparents, they've grown up with our parents, and they've grown up with us, and then they'll probably grow up with our, ch- ch- our children in the future. So, you know, they'll have more chance to be remembered, but Jolly uh, and the Joggle Factory, I think, is going to have to be around, I think, for a good couple of decades before people start saying, oh, hey, you know, this song and that song and that song, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway... So yeah continuing on you know we have um you know Augustus gloop is no longer in the the group and so then we go over to the ne- the next bit which is you know the ton- you know the everybody going into the boat and then we have the tunnel scene which of course as mentioned before in the original book there there were no like creepy images and there were no like somberness whatsoever but no and this one is just like you know the Oompa Loompas are playing a drum although the one thing I do like is that they were able to keep this little thing from the book is that Willy Wonka grabs a ladle and he spoons some of the chocolate from the chocolate river and offers it to Charlie because he notices how skinny he looks which is from the book and it does give a nice little preview of the relationship between Willy Wonka and Charlie that would happen later on and And so, yeah, the tunnel scene is pretty quick. It just goes in and out so fast and people are like, oh, that's it? Well, you have to remember that, you know, once again, you know, there's little to no filler. It just goes from the tunnel all the way up until they reach over to like the little callbacks with like the coffee cream and the hair cream. And then finally, when they reach over to the secret room where the candy is being billed, and then we finally go over to when, you know, Violet Beauregard chews on the piece of gum, and then we see her turn into... a blueberry you know there's no cutbacks I mean, with like you know them going into like the the car where the foam is being sprayed the, yeah, um, here's, here's, the
1: here's the thing about this patricia i mean like uh, just go back to the uh you know the fact that the tunnel scene just uh, kind of just goes by by i mean like uh, could you imagine would you want tim burton to do the tunnel scene from willie wonka in the shop a battery honestly like uh i mean oh man you imagine- that, that
0: that would be pure nightmare fuel
1: even Rob Zombie would look at that and think, oh, that keeps me up at night, you know? Like, it's just, it's, uh, yeah. It's just uh, yeah, some things just shouldn't exist in this world. And that probably, really, Tim Burton recreating the tunnel scene is probably not one of them. So I think we should all be quite grateful that I just kind of came and went, really.
0: Yeah, true. I mean... Oh man, I could imagine. Anyway, so yeah, we have, um, you know, very similar to the original, you know, Violet Beauregard, you know, gets the experimental gum and starts chewing on it. And um, then we have, you know, her slowly turning into a blueberry, which we go into our next song from the Oompa Loompas, you know, chewing, chewing all day long. It's, stuff, it's so it's very played off like a disco song, and so yeah. you know they they roll her into the, the 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 you know the juicing section of the chocolate factory where you know they squeeze the blueberry part of um out of her, and um, then we get an interesting backstory about the Oompa Loompas themselves about you know how you know Willy Wonka was trying to search for like some sort of um, you know ingredients out in the, um, you know, in the countryside, in Lumpaland, as it was called. And then, you know, he was fighting off the vermicious kinets, which were like these giant, you know, creatures or something like that. And then he meets up with the Oompa Loompas themselves, which live up in trees and are, which is a callback to the fact that if you remember from the original book, the Oompa Loompas were African pygmies. So because we didn't want to go, you know, too politically incorrect, they decided to, you know, Change, you know tweak it up a little bit so that it won't be too offensive
1: yeah i mean that'd be how, how cool of that of a movie would that be if it's or even like you know that is like, like a mini series like on netflix or whatever like, like you know they they went into the origins of when uh, willy wonka discovered the uh yeah, you know, the, the, the Oompa Lumpas.
0: Well, I mean, you know, like, th- your uh, wish is granted, Aaron, because if you remember that there was an announcement not too long ago that Taika Waititi is going to be working on two animated series based off of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, one of which is going to be about the Oompa Lumpas.
1: So, yeah, well, that sounds really cool. So, uh, if uh, that's the case, then, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So, yeah. Uh, I, hope they make, I hope they make it action-packed, or at least they try and. Uh, you know, going uh, going go in that direction. I think that'd be kind of cool thing to do.
0: Yeah. Oh, and uh, by the oh, way, I... speaking of uh, Taika Waititi, shout outs to him for, um, you know, doing a weekly reading of James and the Giant Peach in, um, you know, alongside with his celebrity friends for charity. So if any of you guys are interested in donating for charity for COVID-19, then go check out uh, the Roll Doll YouTube channel where you can donate to the cause.
1: Oh yeah, definitely do that. That's awesome yeah so, i mean i was just thinking about that like i mean how interesting would it be like uh they say oh uh it starts off with like these bunch of explorers and i think oh why are we doing this job like oh it's just some weird bloke called willy wonka what the hell is this deal like you know like are they like uh it's like it's you know the explorer kind of like you know probing willy wonka as they're walking through this jungle like saying like oh well, you know well, what's this about like you know and uh they just have this kind of like just adventure you know i think uh that's a really good, good premise
0: Mm-hmm. yeah Anyway, so, yeah, um, so we have that little backstory, and then we get, you know, flashbacks in between, you know, the the trip to the chocolate factory of, you know, Willy Wonka's backstory, where, you know, he tries chocolate, you know, for the first time, and then, um, you know, he starts getting obsessed with candy, and he starts jotting down notes, and then when his father finds out about it, you know, he is, like, really upset, and he wants him to take over the family business of being a dentist, and you know Willy Wonka's like, no, I'm just gonna run away from here. That one little called that one little scene in which like he's walking across all the flags and then it ends up being in a museum was actually pretty funny.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, uh, and on top of that as well, like when he kind of goes back, he finds out the uh, the whole house has just disappeared, which is kind of like, uh, what, what? How on earth did in that small time frame he managed to like uproot the entire house and move it somewhere else? Tim Burton. Yeah. Yeah, Tim Burton, of course. It was, it, was, it was, you know, man, that was actually done in flashbacks, so for all I know, that could be just kind of like how, uh, well, mind you, that house ends up turning up like, you know, like on a cliffside, like later on in the movie. So, like, uh, I guess it's, I would kind of like put it down to like, oh, this is just, you know, uh, how Willy Wonker observes it in his head, if you if you know what I mean. But, yeah. uh, you know, the fact that, uh, yeah, I think that's... Uh, yeah, I think they probably just kept it at that, and kind of like uh, then all of a sudden, like uh, they just find out that uh, oh no, his house hasn't just completely disappeared off the street. Like you know, he just uh, he just moved down the road or something like that, you know?
0: Hmm, maybe that could have been a possibility. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, yeah, so then then the next thing that we have is uh, the thing that was originally supposed to be in the 1971 film, but because obviously due to budget constraints and the fact that they couldn't train that many animals, they decided to go with the um, golden geese instead. But in the book, if you remember there were a bunch of squirrels that were testing out all the nuts and they had like a section, um, they had like a dedicated nut room. So all the squirrels would be like pounding the nuts and then the good nuts would be carried over while the bad nuts would be going down a garbage chute. And so, you know, Veruca Saul decides, oh, I wanna have one of those squirrels as a pet. And so she finds one and then she's surrounded by a whole bunch of squirrels. They test her head out to see if she was a good nut or a bad nut and then they throw her down the garbage chute.
1: <laughs> so uh, and as, as all of that as well. Like uh, once again, it's the Umpa Lumpas who actually uh, take the, uh, the the take take this tune uh, for this. And
0: uh, you know, it's like uh, I don't know. You're gonna miss Veruca still having a having a number in, in this yeah, one. I do. I wish that I would have seen the I Want It Now song, or at least like a a, a similar song to it. Yes, I wish that there would have been like a section where she was like surrounded by all these squirrels and she was singing about like I want all these squirrels. I want everything. Yeah, I do kind of miss that.
1: Yeah, and uh, it just it's uh, so. But mind you, the uh, the upper do a good job in this in this in this in this one. So uh, I guess you can't fault them saying, "Oh, hey, we're gonna we're gonna take this one."
0: Ah, eh, fair enough, fair enough. Anyway, so uh, yeah, the, so the dad decides to chase after them, even though that I do find it kind of weird. It's like. You can clearly see that Veruca jumped over the small little door leading up to it, and then Willy Wonka was like struggling to find the key so that he can open the door when they could have just jumped over themselves. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, like, uh, this is another thing as well you're gonna notice in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory compared to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, just the the continuity errors and like, uh, just the way the whole presentation goes about. There's a lot of the seamlessness that uh, could be left to be desired, really. Like uh, it just it's uh, it just feels a bit like uh, uh, they, they, why why can't you do X Y and Z why can't this be explained why can't that be explained you know like uh, why can't you just do this why can't you just do that like uh, that's the one crit- that's the one massive critique even though like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is uh, uh, one of the more my 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 favorite um, you know uh, Willy Wonka movies compared to the other one I do have to concede with the people who love the original movie that uh, there's more um there, there's a lot more the things in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie doesn't make as much sense as in the original one.
0: Yeah, that's true. That seems to be an issue with a lot of these Roald Dahl adaptations is that there's so many moments that leave a lot to be desired. Like, they could have been done so much better had they gotten a rewrite or not, you know, sticking so close to the original source material because some of the stuff in the source material is pretty dated. Or is pretty illogical. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, James and the Giant Peach, and Fantastic Mr. Fox are looked very fondly. They do take a lot of creative liberties and some of them don't even stick close to the book but the spirit of the book is there. And some of the changes are kind of necessary uh, because we feel the spirit of Roald Dahl. And because there were like little tweaks to make it more modernized or to make it more seamless and more in sense, then that's why we love them so much. Yeah,
1: it's just, it's, uh, I'm just, um, I, I just really wish that uh, there was a little bit more, uh, you know, tweaking, I think, uh, with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But, you know, there's budget, yeah, you know, there's there's deadlines to be made and there's budgets to be adhered to. So I guess you can't really complain too much, I guess.
0: Yeah, and that and also the, you know, every single change and re- re- rewriting has to be approved by the doll family. If they don't like it, they will deny it.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Right after that, then we have uh, the, the, the last, uh, you know, bit, uh, scenes in the movie where we have, you know, Willy Wonka, Charlie, you know, Mike TV and their parent uh, you know, their guardians going over to the great glass elevator and you know they start looking around and you know they go over to various you know parts of the room like you know there's like the um, you know the the mountain and there's the exploding candy which i've gotten wrong by the way there was actually exploding candy in the original so sorry
1: well there, there was there was mention of it in the original book i mean yeah there was exploding sweets for you in, in the original movie but in the actual original book it was more just kind of like a passing reference for that it was actually a a thing that actually existed in the movie,
0: right? So but, yeah, uh, I, I I stated that wrong, so I, I apologize. So they go into the TV room, and you know we see like all the Oompa Loompas like working on the, you know like you know transferring the chocolate bar into the television, just like in the original book and as well as the original film. And Mike TV wants to try it out, and so he ends up disappearing into the molecules, and he ends up you know, being really small, which I do really like this montage, you know, where he's, like, flipping over to the different TV channels. You know, he's in, like, a cooking show. He's in the newsroom. He's, um, you know, in the middle of a fight with, like, the Rock'em Sock'em robots, and then there's, like, this huge rock number with the Oompa Loompas. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say that out of all of the songs that are sung in it, this is my favorite one.
1: Mm-hmm. And it gives me a lot of... And mind you, this this is like in uh, the original movie as well, regards to the new movie. But by the time you get to Mike TV, can you just kind, of, kind of like start to get the feeling of like, yeah, all these kids are stupid. You know, like, I wouldn't uh, say you know, stupid. No...
0: I would just say that they were rash. They were really impatient. They were self entitled, spoiled brats. Which, of course, you know, if we've known throughout this entire retrospective so far, these characters are around pretty much all the time. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's no question, but yeah, I mean, like, there's always has to be the case in which, like, you know, the good and evil, you know, like, all of these kids are behaving bad, so they get repercussions, and the kid who behaves good gets all the rewards at the end, so, I mean, that's typical role doll to be sure. Anyway, but yeah, and in the original, if you remember, you know, he was, like, shrunk down, and there was, like, you know, he, you know, his mother put him into his purse and then that was pretty much it. And then there was like talks about him in the taffy room and then they were going to stretch him out. But in the movie, you know, he went through this montage and then, you know, there was talks about like, oh, you know, put me back in and you know it's like you know i can't do that why don't we just put you into the taffy room and let's stretch you out and so finally by process of elimination charlie was the one who won the contest and the one thing that i do appreciate is that we and you know in, unlike in the original movie where we don't get to see what happened to the kids in the both the book and in the 2005 movie we actually do get to see the outcomes you know we have um You know, Augustus Gloop being covered in chocolates. We have uh, Violet Beauregard being completely blue. Veruca Salt is covered in garbage. And Mike TV is stretched out so tall and so thin. With Violet and with uh, Mike TV, they're going to get the worst of of them all because they will permanently be that way for the rest of their lives as opposed to like Augustus and with Veruca, all they need is a shower and maybe like six months worth of therapy.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's just this. Uh, uh, mind you, like if you think about it, like if you know, Varuga did finally get the in a, her massive comeuppance where, like, you know, she's demanding stuff and like her dad's now saying no and stuff like that. So like uh, you know, it's like that. That kind of turns the uh, the um, relationship has definitely taken a turn after their visit to the factory. Uh, also, in regards to, um, our other characters, obviously, yeah, they're really kind of bent towards, you know, beyond recognition and stuff like that. But, I'm uh, interested mean, to see how, you know, they keep in mind, like, the crowd of people are still outside. So, like, you know, they've been outside this entire time, and they keep looking at these people. We're just interested to see, like, some crowd reactions. They're like, oh, my God, what happens to these people?
0: Yeah, like, and I would have like... really liked to have seen a scene in which maybe they were being interviewed, and they were asked a bunch of questions. And I'm also curious about, like, how long were they in this factory for? Like, an hour? Two hours? Like, I mean, the crowd is still there. hmm yeah but i mean you would think that that would be the end right it's like you know charlie wins the factory and you know Willy wonka grants him that and they live happily ever after and that would be the end of the book but no there's actually still more to come because um you well, know when- they,
1: they put they put this stuff in and uh, to, to be honest it's just again it, it, it kind of feel, it feels like it just fills out the end of the movie like it just it's uh you know, like, yeah, we've got to the end of it. Like, uh, Charlie's won the factory. That should be it, you know. But then it's like, I kind of like stretch out this thing of like, uh, oh, no, you can't invite all your family in here. You have to basically have this place on your own. So Charlie obviously picks his family over, you know, over over Willy Wonka, which uh, obviously was going to happen. And uh, then uh, here's the thing about this. Like, I knew from the get-go, like, oh, they're not going to end like this. Like, you know, we all know what the end of the book is. And if he's being faithful to the book, then we know that so Charlie, you know, Charlie eventually is going to be the owner of the factory.
0: Yeah, and, and here's, here's so, the thing, and here's the and here's a a perfect example in why, in my opinion, you know the, the way that car- the, um, the way that Charlie was written, it works because if it was like a regular kid, he would obviously choose the factory over his family. But no, Charlie was shown throughout the movie that he cares for his family, that he's willing to sacrifice everything for them. And so when he's given the opportunity of a lifetime, it's like, oh, you know, I'd rather, you know, have my family over a million dollars. And we've seen this before, like when, you know, that lady offered Charlie $500 for the ticket. And then, you know, he was about to do it. He was about to say, I'm going to go give the, mo- you know, the, the, um, the golden ticket to a lady who offered me $500 so that we could have food for our family. And then Grandpa Joe's like, no. I mean, well, Grandpa George says no. You could always have money, but this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So the fact that he chose this, as opposed to, like, you know, getting an opportunity to own a chocolate factory completely on his own with nobody around him, that is what I think was really smartly done in this character.
1: So, I mean, yeah, honestly, they stretch out the ending, which uh, it just kind of feels like, you know, it feels like Lord of the Rings Return of the King, you know, like, you know, look, you know, uh, um, they got rid of the ring already. Like, you know, there's there's nothing else to cover, but no, apparently... uh, Sam needs to get married to this other person and then uh, they need to go, like, on this, um, you know, Gandalf and uh, Frodo needs to go on this other thing and, like, you know, kind of like, they they stretch out the ending massively, you know. At least and, that was in uh, the and
0: book. And this. In, in this, this was not, like, I mean, the whole, th- I mean, it's like, oh, you know, now we need to give cl- closure to, you know, Willy Wonka's character, even though the whole thing was about Charlie so Yeah, you
1: know- this is this is where the movie loses focus, I think, a little bit because then all of a sudden it's kinda like uh, you know, uh Willy Wonka comes crawling back to Charlie and uh then say, Oh, you know, why are, we, are you still are you sure you want to take this? And uh then um they also get into this conversation about you know his, his father and then obviously that ends up in him being in the dentist chair and uh then uh but it's well, just like he's just it's uh, it's just really, uh, I, I just find it really confusing because, like, uh, you would have you thought Willy I Wonka would have been sampling chocolates all this time. and uh, But they somehow have, like, you know, perfect molars and, like, no, you know, tooth damage whatsoever, you know. I to, have so uh, many
0: questions about this. Like, first of all, when we do see, you know, Charlie and his family, like, how did they get the money to have, like, good food and, like, they were able to get their house fixed? Like, where did that come from? And also, you know,
1: no! no, keep in mind, keep in mind, uh, at the end of the movie, uh, his dad, Charlie's dad gets his, well, doesn't get his job back, but he actually gets a new job being the, uh, the guy who repairs the machines in the, oh, that's uh, right, right, so that's where the money comes from, okay, fair enough, uh, yeah, that's the reason why they have that, so they can get the house fixed, they can get good food and everything like that, because, you know, his dad's working again, so in a way, Charlie, Charlie doesn't need the factory. he's got everything pretty much he needs, he's got, he's got a roof over his head, he's obviously gonna have to, his dad's going to support him pretty much until, obviously, he needs to find a place of his own. So, like, you know, in regards to him being a well-supported, structured child, he's got, he's got no problem. So he doesn't need Willy Wonka in that regard. And keep in mind, this, that's Charlie's trait. Like, you know, he just settles with what he's got. And so, you know, and so I think that's more than he probably could have asked for in, in that regard. So in that case, he's, he's in that position to say no to Willy Wonka, to say, I don't need this. Why, why would I need it?
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, if it was a case in which, like, oh, you know, Charlie's father didn't get the job and they were still struggling, then maybe. But the fact that he or, you know, his father already has a really good job and they were able to have, you know, good food and the house is being fixed, it's like, yeah, they don't need Willy Wonka anymore. But no, because Willy Wonka was such a popular character in the original 1971 film, we need to finish his backstory. And so we have him being really miserable and losing motivation to create candy again and he's you know finally confronts Charlie and it's like you know what makes you so happy and what makes you um not be depressed all the time and he's like my family and then that's when he's like okay I'm gonna confront my father once and for all and so he goes over to his old you know dentist office and then that's when you know he recognizes Willy Wonka with his bicuspids which okay interesting <laughs> I mean, he didn't recognize him any other way. Like, I mean, I get it that you know he loved his. Well,
1: father. he more. Keep in mind, he's not seen him since you know he was like a little boy. So, like, if uh, that's how he's supposed to be believed, and uh, you know, like, on top of that as well, like, you can unfortunately, you know, in uh, the worst of circumstances, recognize someone from their dental records.
0: So eh, uh, fair enough. I so, guess let's, so. Let's not let's not go further into that from that. So uh, yeah, but, let's let's um, not because that, I don't I don't really care for this scene whatsoever. Like. I I mean, I get it. Tim Burton is all about like, oh, I don't like my dad. I have a, you know, I have a strained relationship with him. It worked great in Big Fish. It doesn't work good in Willy Wonk in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It just doesn't. It it all flat, doesn't it? You kind of like sat there and like, uh, okay,
1: there was a little. I mean, uh, you kind of say that try to justify to yourself like, uh, oh yeah, there's a little bit of emotion in like. uh, his dad you know um obviously him reuniting with his father and stuff like that okay but you know it's just this. uh yeah it just it just feels like it's there for not much reason really so.
0: it's the only reason why it's there is because Willy Wonka was such a popular character and he's become a huge cultural icon that we need to give him you know more screen time than you know say Charlie so yeah it's I mean, they, they, I understand why they decided to give him this backstory. I mean, oh, Patricia in the, in the in the minds of some stupid people, apparently, not only is he
1: the uh, you know the genius creator of chocolate, he's also the king of pop. You know, <sighs> it, your mom. God.
0: Okay, final thoughts. So, in my opinion, I don't understand why this movie is so hated. I mean, I can understand for somebody who was a huge fan of the original. Me myself, I grew up with it, but. There were so many things that were done right in this movie that it it deserves to be properly recognized.
1: Here's the thing I would say about this: Patricia, give it several decades. I guarantee you, probably, you know, there might be some people who will be looking back at Charlie in the Chocolate Factory the same way that they people look back at Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. You
0: know, That's like, fair, um, absolutely.
1: It needs time to mature, I would say.
0: Yeah, and for those who are saying that this is the worst Roald Dahl adaptation absolutely not go absolutely
1: watch not, no. go,
0: go watch breaking point and four rooms and then talk to us
1: there are some very unsavory roll doll film materials out there and uh, i guarantee you this is probably this is definitely definitely not the worst one
0: no and if you think this shot. is the and if you think this is the worst adaptation of charlie and the chocolate factory no absolutely not We'll get Mm -hmm. to that much later on. Yep. All right. So, yeah, I would say for those who were very hesitant on checking out this movie because you were a huge fan of the 1971 film, I would say give it a chance. I would say have an open mind on watching it and, you know, keep this in mind that it has its good moments. It really does. It has moments that are even better than the original. But there are still some things that hold it back that make it not as good as the original, so I would say that both of them have their faults, and both of them have their merits. So you know, you pick between which one you prefer.
1: I just have to say that, uh, you know, here's the thing about this: like I respect everybody who enjoys Dream Rolder's performance as Willie Wonka. I absolutely do. Would I say, though, would it be enough for me to say that uh, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie that we've just been through? is a uh, less superior to willie wonker in the chocolate factory of, of the of, uh, of that time i would have to say no on that you know there's just i enjoy thoroughly tim burton's work whether it's batman whether it's the nightmare for Wolf christmas whether it's edward did it or whether it's beetlejuice you know like uh, there's a lot there that uh, Tim Burton does, which is very creative, very dark, and dare I say, it's probably more to Roll Doll's liking than whatever uh, any other Roll Doll adaptation could do in, regard- in any of other people's hands. And so, unfortunately, I, as someone who really enjoys Tim Burton's work, as someone who enjoys uh, the darkness of, uh, of Roll Doll's work, and as somebody who just uh, wants a more variation in his uh, in his music genre in regards to uh the way that the characters interact with one another unfortunately i have to argue with everybody and i will argue to this day that charlie in the chocolate factory is far superior to willie wonka in the chocolate factory and to all the gene wilder fans i
0: apologize well i'm one of those people who likes both of them for different reasons and i will have to say that you're absolutely right aaron when it comes to what roald dahl would have preferred if he would have seen this movie while he was alive he would have loved it he would
1: have I, loved it. Will, I, that's a good question about that, actually. I mean, I don't think he – I mean, would he have loved it? I'm not – I mean, again, he's not, he's not with us in this world, unfortunately. So we'll, we'll, we'll absolutely never know. I and mean, we know his wife likes it. I mean, yeah. like uh, that probably far as But, uh, I mean, in regards to uh, the original man himself, what he would have made of it, I will not go as far to say that he would have absolutely loved it, but I will go as far as to say that he would have preferred it over Willy Walker and the Chocolate Factory. I definitely would have preferred it.
0: Okay, that's fair. All right, then. Well, that is it for this episode of the Roald Dahl Retrospective. So tune in next time as we're going to be talking about the 2009 stop motion animated film done by Wes Anderson, Fantastic Mr. Fox. And I'm absolutely looking forward to that. Me too. This is something I've been really looking forward to. All right, then. So until then, we will hope to see you in the next one. So take care. See you later, guys. (音楽) ¶¶